Hello again and welcome to another online service from Stableford Baptist Church. I'm glad that you're tuning in. I'm glad that you found us. Pray that this morning will be a great encouragement to you, that God will use it to, uh, to challenge you, to help you, uh, to move you forward in your relationship with him. We've got an opportunity to worship uh, as we'll sing some songs. We've got an opportunity to, uh, to praise God together, to listen to his word, to think about different things. Uh, together this morning. We're in our series in John's Gospel of life conversations, life-changing conversations with Jesus. Um, and as normally, we've got the normal stuff, uh, talk and, and, uh, and readings and prayers and things. So, uh, so please do, um, well, sit back, enjoy, listen, engage. Um, just a, a quick notice for you on Tuesday, if you're part of the church, uh, if you know us and you've got the link, you can join us on a Zoom meeting. We've got no life groups this week, so we're having an all together on Tuesday night. Uh, it's December on Tuesday, so um, we're heading into this season of Advent. But what we want to do on Tuesday is just think about what happened at the church weekend. Um, John's going to be doing a quiz for us. Looking forward to that. It'll be really good. Um, and you know, if you get chance, I mean, it'd be great actually. Let me encourage you to try and listen to the talks again. They're on the website and they're just on audio. Um, so you can you can get them and, and listen to them as you're doing other things uh, and just think again about Nehemiah and the goodness of God uh, and then on Tuesday night join us in the Zoom time and we'll have an opportunity just to think a little bit more about that and to do that that quiz together. <clears throat> John's also going to give us an update on the porch. It's great. He's put a little video together, so we're going to be able to see how that's coming along as well. So that, that should be a great time, really uh, good time. So looking forward to that. Please do join us on Tuesday. Let me pray and then we'll head into the service together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your um, grace and mercy in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we head into this time of Advent, we pray that you'd help us to think on him more. We pray that you'd help us to, to worship you by your spirit through him. And we thank you, triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, that you make yourself known, that you have uh, done something for us in Christ that means that we can know that we're loved. We can know that you're there and we can know you. And we pray this morning as we sing our songs that we will be truly worshipped from our hearts. As we hear from your word, your spirit will give us ears to hear uh, what you are saying to your church. And you would help us both to, to be challenged, encouraged uh, and wanting to go out uh, and, and face this world in your strength for your glory, bringing your message to it. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Okay, let's sing together, shall we? The reading is from John chapter 9, verses 1 to 12. Jesus heals a man born blind. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, 
Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? they asked him. I don't know, he said. This is the reading from John chapter 9 verse 35 and it continues the story about the man who was born blind. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he found him he said do you believe in the son of man? Who is he sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may, may believe in him. Jesus said you have now seen him in fact he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and that those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Let us all pray. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to read about Jesus. And uh, he came into this world to do wonderful deeds and to die for our sins. But thank you for this particular story how he met and dealt with the man who was born, born blind. We bless you, Lord, that he was uh, healed, he was able to see, and he, he worshipped you as the God of heaven. And, uh, Lord, we pray that you would help us also to uh, uh, overcome our blindness and to see those things that you are trying to show us so that we might see and worship as the man did who was born blind. Amen. When was the last time that you shared with somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? I know it's hard in these strange times in which we live. I know we haven't been able to get out much this year. That's probably the understatement of the year. Uh, but it's still an important thing for us to think about. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to make you think, really. Or maybe looking at it slightly differently, when was the last time that you prayed for somebody who isn't a Christian to become a Christian? Maybe you don't even think that you should be doing that or that you could do that, but you should and you could and you, you can <laughs> and hopefully you are doing. But when was the last time that you did it? I think that, that sort of says something about us, what we understand about who Jesus is, why he came, what he came to do. Uh, it might seem a strange way to talk about um, this particular passage that we're looking at this morning, but as I was looking through it and, and thinking about it and meditating on it, this is this is what came through to me. We really get an, a, an idea um, of Jesus' mission 
This is the last in the series <clears throat> that we've been looking at on in the conversations of Jesus in John's Gospel. I hope you've enjoyed that. Um, I have just been good just again to look at Jesus, to think about who he is, what he's been doing, how he's been interacting with people. Uh, we've seen him interact with different people, have we? Powerful people, helpless people, men, women, Israelites, foreigners, people who are nearby, people who are far away, Pharisee, sinner, just all sorts of, of different people that Jesus has been engaging with. And no two are the same. We see that he comes into different situations, different struggles, different needs in different people's lives. Some, if you think of last week, the woman caught in adultery or the child who's ill, just merely moments away from death. And yet Jesus comes in and he saves. Jesus is there talking, transforming, healing, helping, challenging, just bringing who he is into the situation and ultimately saving. And I hope within that you've just seen again how good he is, how incredible he is, what, what a wonderful person he is. Because really that's part of why we're doing this series. We want to learn, of course, all the different things, but we just want to be confronted again with Jesus. Think about him again as we often need to be amazed at him but you know the thing is we could think this we could think well you know that was all then and now he's gone back to heaven and uh, now it's just all down to us that's not the case that's not the case at all in fact it's still down to him it's still his mission the things that he wants to do he wants to do through us he doesn't just sit there at the right hand side of the father waiting thinking, you know, I wouldn't rather get on down there with the things I told him to do. Not at all. He sends his spirit upon his people and his spirit enables us to be those that take his mission, take his message and, and engage people with it still today. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to continue to work through us. Okay, so we've got three things that we're going to think about today. Think about what that mission is and why it's so important really um, what it is that Jesus wants to keep doing in us and through us uh, and, and why he wants to do that so just three things that I think just naturally come out of the passage uh, we're going to think of them one at a time the first one is this we see Jesus comes looking Jesus comes looking look at verse 35 it says hearing that the man he has healed has been thrown out of the synagogue he goes looking for him that doesn't actually say that but it implies that doesn't it because it says when he found him it doesn't say he stumbled across him it doesn't say he bumped into him or he just happened to see him it says when he found him now you know you find something you're looking for don't you? if you've ever lost anything you want to find it you, you you know you turn the house upside down you it's so frustrating. You, you, you go to the same place over and over and over again, trying to say, well, it must be in this pile or whatever. But you're looking for it. And that's what we see here. When he found him, Jesus was looking for this man. And, you know, there's echoes here of Luke 15, where we find out about the parable of the lost coin. The woman that loses the coin, she sweeps the house and she does everything she can until she finds it. And then when she finds it, she throws a party. Parable of the lost sheep where the shepherd leaves the 99 on the hillside and goes looking for the one that has been lost. 
there's echoes of that chapter. That chapter is, is Jesus trying to explain to the Pharisees why he's engaging with tax collectors and sinners. Because they're lost. And he wants to find people. He's come looking. And we see that in chapter 15 of Luke. Luke finally sums it up for us in chapter 19 and verse 10 where Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. That's his message. That's what he wants to do. And that's what he's still doing today. That's what he's still doing today. You know, we're, we're approaching Christmas, I'm sure you're aware. <laughs> Lots of people putting up their decorations early this year because it's been such a, a, a hard year for people. Um, we went uh, weeks ago now, October, we, we went to, to stay over in Mablethorpe and we went to a garden centre completely decked out for Christmas. I mean, that was that was over a month ago <laughs> and, and it was ready then and we've still got a month to go. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a long Christmas this year, but we're heading into that season of the year, aren't we? And, and you know, it's important for us as we head into this season of the year that we, we think about why. Not, not just, you know, have the, the, the nice story and think about the different things that happen and the carols and how it warms your heart, mince pies and all that sort of stuff. But why? Jesus came. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in a temple. He was laid in an animal's feeding trough. Saw a funny joke this week. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, basically, it's Joseph uh, talking to the three wise men that just arrived. And he goes out and he says, I'm really sorry, but I'm not going to be allowed to let you in because we've already got the shepherds and the angels and we've bubbled with them. And that's our three households. <laughs> it's going to be a different Christmas. There's no doubt about it. But the reason for Christmas, the reason why Jesus came in the first place is still what we need to be thinking to ourselves. Still, what we need to be challenged by. You know, this year, in the series that we're looking at, we're looking at the different stories, the shepherds, the wise men, um, the angels, throughout the, the, the Advent season, uh, and then over Christmas as well. And then afterwards, we're, we're, we're picking up the story of Herod, which is horrible. It's that horrible story where he orders the killing of all those babies because he's trying to get rid of Jesus. But what that story does is, is remind us, it sort of brings us up short, reminds us that there is a why to Christmas. Why? As Jesus come and one of the reasons as we see here is he's come looking he's come looking he heals this blind man and then we are told when he found him you see he goes and he looks for him he's proactive he's not just waiting he's proactive in going to meet with people where people are at and seeing their needs and we have to get this we have to understand this as his people what his mission is and what it is that he wants to do this is i think knowing that jesus is looking for people is one of the biggest motivations for evangelism that we'll have it's not that we're told to do it. It's not that we have to get out there. We have to try and convince people of something they don't want to be convinced about. It's the fact that Jesus is looking for people. And he continues to look today through his people. Somebody found us. He found us through somebody. And he wants to use us to keep going and to keep looking for people. 
That's why we do evangelism. That's why we have conversations. That's why we pray for people on our front lines in different places. It's why we try and engage with people. Because we know that Jesus is looking. And he finds this man. He finds this blind man. And he challenges him. Which takes us on to our second point. Our second point is this. Jesus comes to help us decide. Jesus comes to help us decide. He asks the man a question. He confronts him with a choice in a gentle way. You know, it's not the first thing he's said. He's already been with him, helped him to see physically. Now, he's challenging him spiritually. You know, Jesus can open a man's eyes by spitting on the ground. And he, I mean, you don't even have to do this, but he does do this. Spitting on the ground, making dirt, putting it on the guy's eyes and then telling him to go and wash in the pond. But the reality is, we're all spiritually blind. He can physically open somebody's eyes, but the, the man has a deeper need, as we see here. This is why Jesus is looking for him, because he has a deeper need. He's spiritually blind. And we're all in that boat. We're all spiritually blind. And we need Jesus. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Born of water and of the Spirit. That cleansing and that new life. That spiritual life that he needs. Jesus comes to help us to decide. To show us our deepest need. This man's deepest need was not physical sight. In fact, you could argue, couldn't you? If you've read the full story, we didn't read the whole of the chapter, but if you read the bit in the middle as well. If you read all of chapter 9, that actually, since he's been able to see, his life has got harder. He's been thrown out of the synagogue. His mum and his dad have not stood by him out of fear that they also may get stood, thrown out of the synagogue. They've just said, oh, well, you know, he's an adult, he, he, he can take care of himself, ask him. So he, he's not got support of close family and he's not now got the support of the synagogue. Two massive things in those days. And he's on the outside. His life's got harder now that he's able to see. But Jesus finds him. And the thing is, it's now going to get really interesting. Because Jesus is going to give him what he really needs. Jesus is going to help him in the biggest area of need, deep down in his soul. He asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Boy, he doesn't know who he is. And then Jesus uses this great phrase, I love this phrase, in this particular context, in this passage. <clears throat> he says this, you have now seen him. There he is. He's stood talking to him. Jesus is there, the Son of Man, talking to him. You've now seen him. Because, of course, he hasn't seen him before. Because the last time Jesus was with him, he couldn't see. And he didn't end up seeing until he'd gone away and washed in the pool. So Jesus then finds him. And he says, now you see him. Isn't that great? Reminding him of the miracle and helping him to understand. And then he does something he did with the woman at the well, and Jesus doesn't do this very often. But obviously it was right for this guy, and it was right for the woman at the well. But during his earthly ministry, this is not something he does until he's absolutely sure, he knows, and he's, he's done a lot of work with, with the disciples or whoever it is. He revealed himself to this man. Helps him to see. He says, he 
is the one speaking with you. Very similar, isn't it, to chapter 4 when he's talking to the woman at the well. I who am speaking to you am he. Jesus helps him to see. Jesus comes looking, helps him to see and helps him to decide. Realise his need. He graciously takes time with this man as he did with the woman, as he's done with all the people that we've been thinking about, really, in the conversation. Some have only been quite short, but he's taken that time with them, helping them to see that they need to trust him. They need to follow him. And we need to help people to decide as well. We know that Jesus has come looking for people and we need <clears throat> excuse me, to help people to decide to follow him. Now, we can't make them and we shouldn't try. We can't force them and we shouldn't try, but we can persuade them. We can tell them what we know, share what we know about this wonderful person, this incredible person, and challenge them that they need to make a decision for him, a positive decision for him. You know, I, when I was young, I didn't realise that. I thought that it, it was okay. I, th I thought that Jesus had died for me, but in some sort of general way, not, not, in, not in this specific way that he died for me. And that I had to decide to accept that and follow him. And people made me decide. Now, I didn't like it. <laughs> I've shared this many times before. I didn't like having that decision in front of me. But thank God for that. There were people that were faithful in doing that. And we need to do it with others. Challenge them. Help them to see. Gently, slowly, as Jesus does. But bring them to that point of decision. So important. You know, this is... This is the greatest story ever told. This is the greatest person who's ever lived. You know, we're not given math material to work with. We're not given sort of odds and ends and stuff. We've got, we've got it. It's here in his word. It's incredible. What it is that we have is explosive. It's dynamite. It's truth. And it's powerful. You know, I do assemblies. And, and, and what I love, love about doing assemblies is that you're taking this incredible person of Jesus and you're helping the kids to see who he is, just this, this wonder at the things that he's done. It's brilliant. It's incredible. We've got the best material, powerful, life-giving, life-changing material, the Word of God backed up by the Spirit of God. Jesus still looking for people, working through us as we help people to come to a decision for or against him. I mean, that happens here, doesn't it? There's got the blind man that's for him, but then you've got the Pharisees who are against him. We're gospel people because we've been transformed by the gospel. We know the good news about Jesus and we've got something to share and we can take it. This Christmas we will have opportunities to talk about Jesus. We will. Wherever we are, we'll have opportunities. We're meeting with people, not Christian people. I trust and maybe physically, maybe over Zoom, I don't know how you're doing it. But, but there'll be something will come up and arise. Just think, when those opportunities come up, how do I get this round to Jesus? How do I tell people here about Jesus? I was just reminded, a lot of you know Dave, Big Dave, who was at the church for a long time. I was just reminded of a, of a little story, a little throwaway story he told me one day, but it's it always stuck in my mind. He went to the doctors because he had a bad knee. Um, and uh, I don't know what the problem was particularly, but as the doctor's looking at it, he sort of says, you know, the knee's quite an incredible thing, the way that it works. 
And Dave just said, yeah, I know the guy who created it. <laughs> I mean, that's just a little throwaway line, isn't it? But it, it, it sort of brings out that, uh, that thought, there's something more. I, I know the guy who created it. That's a great thing to say, isn't it? It's just looking for an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with somebody. Whether it opens up or not, it's just thinking. We need to help people to decide for Jesus. And our third point helps us to understand a bit more why. It gives us something of the urgency of the, the mission. Jesus comes looking for people. Jesus wants people to decide for him because, thirdly, we see that Jesus comes to bring judgment. Jesus comes to bring judgment. The man believes and worships, which is great, isn't it? Just a little, again, almost a throwaway phrase. Verse 38, he believes and worships. I mean, wow, worships Jesus. And Jesus accepts it as he always does because he's the Son of God. He accepts it. He worships. And you see the difference in verse 36, this man calls him Sir. In verse 38, he calls him Lord. Jesus has become this man's Lord very, very quickly, actually. But, you know, because of what Jesus has done for him, because he knows what Jesus has done, yeah, he says, I'm going to trust you. You are trustworthy. But then he says in verse 39, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. So what is this judgment? What is this judgment that Jesus is talking about? Well, he's talking spiritually. We see from the next few verses the explanation to the Pharisees of what he means, who think that he's calling them blind. They think that he's insulting them. But Jesus says, no, 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 your problem is not just blindness. You know, if, if it was, there would be hope. If, if the problem is blindness, Jesus can bring sight. Jesus can bring life. He has come so that they can see, so that the blind can see. But, but their problem is, is worse. Their problem is that they think they can see. They are blind, but they think they can see. And that's a harder problem. You see, this is real blindness for them, isn't it? Jesus stands in front of them. We're told in verse 5, had it in the reading, that he says, I am the light of the world, and they can't see it. They don't see it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to entertain it. They think that they have understood the revelation of God, that they have his law. They look into it. They seek to obey it. But what they haven't realised is that it leads to a pride rather than a humility. You see, what they're doing is this, and, and this is a human trait. We can all do this. And we all will do this if we're not careful. This is how sort of twisted we are, in a sense. They're seeking to put God in their debt. That's what they're seeking to do. They're seeking to, to force God into a position where he has to accept them. Based on what they've done. They think that they can stand tall before him as righteous people because they've kept the demands of the law. But what they should have really understood is that that is impossible. That they can't do it. That none of us can do it. What they should have done in studying the
the law is realised that there's only a righteousness from God that can make us righteous. Not our own righteousness, not our own good works in any way, shape or form. Like this blind man, to stand before God or to be able to see physically for this blind man, it was impossible and it's impossible for us to stand before God. But it's not impossible with Jesus. They need to realise not what they can do and be proud about, but what they can't do and have an issue with, have a problem with. You know, Paul put his finger on point. Paul was a blind Pharisee who Jesus opened the eyes of. It's an incredible story. You can read about in Acts. We see it in Romans chapter 7 in, in explaining something of this. This is what he says, verses 7 and 8. He says, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. In other words, the law helps us to understand that we're sinful. For I would not have known what coveting really was, you know, wanting what something else has, somebody else has. I wouldn't have known what it really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. See, what happens? This is what happens, he says, verse 8. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. It's there to help us to see what we're really like. Yes, we do look at other people and we want what they've got. That's just one example that Paul uses. And that's not a good trait. That's not a good thing. That desire for things that other people have just because they have them. He's saying that God is giving us the law and in doing so he's helping us to see our condition before him. It, it exposes what we're really like. <clears throat> it's not that we might be able to keep some of it. It's that we can't keep all of it. That's the problem. None of us can keep all of it. We need something more. We need a rescuer. We need somebody who can keep it, who then we can be united to. And that's what we get in Jesus. They are blind, but their blindness is the worst kind of blindness because they think they can see. They think they've done enough. They think when they stand before God, God will say, you know, well done. And they are standing before God. And God is saying, you think you can see, but you're blind. Which is why Jesus says, he's come to open the eyes of the blind, but to make blind those effectively who think they can see. If we think we can see clearly, if we think that we will be accepted because of the things that we've done, because of our good works, decent life, going to church, Whatever it is, serving in church, if we think that that is <clears throat> putting God in our debt, then we've got a problem. We need to recognise our guilt before him. See that actually we're not right deep down. That we have a problem and we're on the wrong side of judgement. This is why the first two points are so important. This is why Jesus comes, because we're on the wrong side of judgment. This is why <clears throat> sorry, he wants us to decide for him, because we're on the wrong side 
of judgment. And if we think we're on the right side of judgment, then there's no hope. If we realise that we're blind and in need, then he can give us sight. He can help us. We need to realise who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Accept him as this blind man did. But then we need to know that we're part of his mission, his ongoing mission that continues today as much as it did back then to take this message of Jesus and help other people to understand who he is and help them to decide for him. And the biggest motivation for that is knowing that he wants to do that through us, that he's still looking for people and he wants them to decide so that they won't be on the wrong side of judgment, but they can be brought to see, to see who Jesus is and to trust in him for themselves. That's why Christmas is so important because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. This man receives his sight physically but so much more importantly he receives his sight spiritually. He knows who Jesus is and he gives himself to him. Have you? Have you given yourself to him? Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he came into this earth. He engaged in difficult struggles and situations with real people, real life situations, and he helped them to see. He took this man, born blind, and he brought him to the point when he could say to him, I who am speaking to you am he. He revealed himself. And we thank you that this blind man, whose life had got worse after he'd been healed, suddenly received spiritual life and was able to say, Lord, and worship. Lord, we thank you that that's what you do for us. You can so open our eyes that we can call you Lord and we can worship. And what a wonderful thing that is to do. Oh Lord, help us to do that and then help us, we pray, to take this great message and to share it with people on our front lines, the people, uh, families, friends, uh, acquaintances, everyone that we know. Give us opportunities, Lord, we pray. Help us not to be embarrassed or uh, just, uh, I don't know, whatever motivation would stop us from doing it. Help us to know that you uh, have called us into your mission and use us, we pray, for your sake and for the sake of the gospel. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing. Um, there seemed to be one song here that talked about being blind, but now we can see. Uh, now we can, yeah, now we can see. And we're going to sing that. We're going to sing together uh, Amazing Grace. And then after that, we've got a prayer that will come up as has become our custom, and we'll pray that together. Let's, let's sing. God bless. <laughs> 